If you're in our email system, you know I sent out an email yesterday, just by yesterday morning and definitely by the time I was heading to the service for in remembering uh, Peggy Moore and celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, uh, God had really laid upon me that we needed to shift the sermon. So the sermon that was going to be preached today, we'll preach it basically in similar form next Sunday on worship. Today, the sermon is communion through war. Uh, this is set forth in the handout today with your sermon notes, the sermon title, uh, and we'll be turning to different scripture for today. Communion through war. This is basically part of the selfish versus soul-filled sermon series because it doesn't get any more uh, pronounced the dichotomy between being selfish or being soul-filled when you have a question, are you going to be courageous or not, and are you going to be true in times of war or not? Uh, today, uh, to kind of frame this, I've already mentioned I'm wearing the Ukrainian uh, blue and yellow, but uh, in remembering our brothers and sisters, but just to help us kind of get focused, you saw the picture that I sent out yesterday with yesterday's email with thousands of evangelical Christian brothers and sisters in the squares of Kiev. Uh, back in 2017, October, celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. I don't know about you, but I don't recall thousands of people swarming American cities, uh, testifying to their faith in Jesus and remembering the gospel and the Reformation in October 2017, but they sure did do it in Ukraine. Uh, we got a lot of strong brothers and sisters, many of whom have come to Christ in just the last couple decades. So uh, a couple photos and uh, a, uh, a video right now, hopefully. This is a photo of some folks in Kharkiv praying right before the Russians started their attack. You can see those people kneeling and praying, just a random shot that a photographer, I think with CNN picked up. If you tell me I can't see those people, the reason is that's Friday night before the right as the Russians were beginning to bomb and attack Kiev again. Those people are members of a church, but they had to have all the lights out. You know, the lights are out at night in Kiev right now because of the attack and slaughter that's going on there. Uh, but those are Christians singing. If you know Christian songs at all, you know that's uh, mighty to save. Our God is mighty to save. That's what they're singing in the face of uh, the brutal attack of uh, the Russian army right now. Pretty strong testimony indeed. Now today for our primary scripture, we're going to be turning back to a passage that we addressed last year uh, as we move through Isaiah. This is the third of the four servant songs in the book of Isaiah. 
Isaiah chapter 50, picking up at verse 4 and continuing through verse 9. And then we'll also be turning and reading um, Luke 9, verse 51, in which Luke is reflecting on Jesus' fulfillment of the third servant song. So uh, let us pray together, O oh Lord, open our hearts to you that we might truly, as we prepare to come to your table, to remember you, Lord, to discern your body and indeed to discern your body, our brothers and sisters with whom we share communion, including those in Ukraine and elsewhere under attack. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The servant speaks, the third of the four servant songs. The Lord God, Adonai Yahweh, has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned it not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and gave my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. And then to Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. This is following the transfiguration, following a dispute among the disciples, etc., and their failures. When the days drew near for him, that is for Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face, in other words, set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. So today's sermon is communion through war, and I want to begin by reminding all of us uh, that this is not a call, this sermon, nor is the gospel a call to us, uh, for us literally to take up swords and guns and go out and kill and beat up people. That is not, that is not the call. Uh, Jesus says those who live by the sword will die by the sword. That's not the way Jesus' kingdom comes. It's not by conquest. This is quite different than Islam. We're talking about Christianity today and following Jesus in the way of the cross. So uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 reminds us 
as the Apostle Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual, the cosmic forces of wickedness, even in the heavenly realms. So there's spiritual warfare going on all over the place, including even in the heavenly realms, okay? Um, First John, the Apostle John reminds us that every spirit that does not confess Jesus as the Christ is the Antichrist and, and tells us that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Now, if the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world in the first century, what about the 21st century? Oh, yes. But then he goes on to say this. John says this, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. In other words, all the forces arrayed against Christ and his people. You have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus is infinitely and eternally more powerful than Satan and all the realms of demonic forces that are arrayed against the Lord and his anointed. And Christian, you need to know this, that as a believer, if you are born again in Jesus, Jesus by his spirit is in you and his spirit is far more powerful than the spirit that rules this present age temporarily. So we need to trust in that and know that. I'm also reminded today, I was really convicted that we needed to change today's sermon and go ahead and address what we have seen unfold over the last several days. And really just yesterday, driving to the service for Peggy, it was really hitting me as I was listening to reports and updates. And I was drawn back to remember dear friend of Nancy's and mine, uh, Roger McMurrin and his wife, uh, Diane, just incredible mission workers, uh, a former music director, my former music director, but uh, as the 1990s, as things opened up, Roger was able to, by the late 1990s, go to Kiev and become a music missionary, basically a music missionary, an evangelist in uh, the Ukraine. He established, he founded the Kiev um, Orchestra, Symphony Orchestra, and Kiev Chorus. And by the late 1990s and heading into the early part of this century and continuing through this century, that orchestra and chorus has performed, this was Roger's vision that God gave him, Christian-based classic music. I mean, in other words, there were people in the Ukraine who had not been allowed publicly to perform or hear, for instance, Handel's Messiah, Brahms' Requiem, Mendelssohn's Elijah, uh, Bach's St. John Passion and St. Matthew's Passion. Well, well, that symphony and that chorus has publicly performed these. And one of the things that happened immediately when Roger arrived almost was so many of these musicians who had been raised as atheists and agnostics by the old Soviet system, dozens of them became, became Christian in just the first year or so that Roger was there. So within the orchestra and, and the chorus that Roger recruited, 
dozens and dozens were becoming Christians and then carrying that message and that evangelism to their households and extended families. And so hundreds were becoming Christian. And then the public proclamation of singing Christian music and Roger's reading of scripture connected with those huge public performances. You know, it was just really an amazing thing that happened. And this was part of a much larger story as we moved into the early part of this century Evangelical Christianity boomed and, and it spread as, as thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands became born-again believers in Jesus Christ. We all rejoiced in those days, even as our political leaders seemed to be kind of clueless <laughs> as to what's going on. And it's, it's just all kind of about oil and money and this kind of thing. And it's like, look, God is at work in ways that human governments do not understand and oftentimes work against. Nevertheless, God's kingdom will prevail. And so we saw this story developing and my personal friend able to be so instrumental in that story in that nation, you know, that's uh, about the population size of California. I mean, it's a big country. Um, so today, just reflecting on that, we've turned again, as we have read, to the third of the four servant songs of the prophet Isaiah. This is really, as you'll remember, I preached on this last year, kind of the prelude and the bridge towards the fourth of the four servant songs, which most biblical scholars believe is really the most precise and uh, pinnacle and high point of prophecy in all the Old Testament as far as the precision about Jesus' crucifixion, his atoning work, his resurrection, and what it all means. That's the fourth servant song. This is the third servant song that leads up to it. And you can see in the notes I've given you just a few moves of this song that we can walk through uh, briefly to think about who Jesus is, what Jesus fulfilled in this servant song, and what this calls out to us for. So communion through war. Uh, the servant's communion through war saves us. And because he went through war to save us, he calls us through war, not out of war. Okay? This is what the scripture says. Jesus prays in the high priestly prayer in John 17. I don't pray that you'll deliver them out of the tribulation. I pray that you will bring them through the tribulation. So he, he brings us in the way of the cross. He says, if you're going to come with me, you need to take up your own cross, deny yourself and follow me. This is communion through war and warfare. Um, follow his way. So first of all, the moves here, you can see that the basic moves, God word, cross word, and heaven word. Number one, God word learning every day, every day. We are called, as, as he was called, Jesus, fully God, but fully human. The ultimate disciple and discipler leads disciples. This is addressed to a group of disciples, okay? The tongue of those, the ear of those, and the will of those who follow the word of God. And a call for him, Jesus as our savior, and a call for us not to turn, not to rebel, not to retreat. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 50, verse four, the Lord God has given him the tongue of those who are taught. You hear that's plural, right? That, that means disciples, those who are taught. And notice this is interesting. The first point of reference is not ear. We're gonna get to the ear, but notice it's the tongue. Because what does that mean? That means I actually not only just kind of silently meditate on the word, 
but I actually am equipped with my own tongue to recite scripture and to share scripture and God's gospel with others. You see the sequence here. God gives him a tongue for the word so that he can proclaim the word. And God gives you a tongue for the word so you can share the word. The tongue of those who are taught. And notice this. Does it say so that I can go beat the stew out of people in debates and oppress them with my knowledge of scripture? Is that what it says? No, notice this. The tongue of those who are taught so that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. We're called to be ministers of grace to others, just as Jesus was. And by the way, this is a connection note for Isaiah, the fulfillment or connection point to Isaiah 40, 29, when he gives power to those who are faint and weary. Remember, he gives power to those who are faint and weary. Uh, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They, okay, so that's the introductory prophecy that leads into this whole segment of Isaiah. There it is. The tongue of those who are taught so that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Notice this also, morning by morning. Well, if I have time, I'll get around to God's word. Well, maybe later today, because I'm awfully busy and I got up late and I've got a lot of people to see and things to do and my phone's ringing and I need to text some people and I need to post on Facebook. No, no, no. Morning by morning, like every morning, what's first and foremost for the disciple? This. It's right there in the scripture. Morning by morning, he awakens me. Wait a minute. No, my alarm awakened me. No, you're, you're, you're sorely misled here. If I woke up this morning, guess who actually woke me up? Should I listen to him? Oh yeah, every day belongs to him. So morning by morning, he awakens my ear. So here we are at ear, we've got the tongue. We also have the ear to hear as those who are taught. Not one, in one ear and out the other, to hear as those who are taught, actually to receive God's word. Well, I did my devotion this morning. What'd you, what'd you do it on? I don't remember. But we need to go back to this. The ear of those who are taught. And I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I didn't complain. I didn't chicken out. I actually went with God. So that's the first move of this servant song. The second move is the crossword giving of myself. Crossword giving. So we had God word learning. Now we have crossword giving. No hiding, face set like flint toward and beyond the war that is ahead. Toward and beyond the war that's ahead. The servant here, again, this is a prophecy ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks. Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek. Who's the one who led the way, right? and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Yes, he was literally spat upon multiple times leading up to the cross, yes. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be put to shame. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem to the cross. 
Now we could say, well, wait a minute. Probably most of the news coverage um, with all the talking heads and everything else on Good Friday and uh, Holy Saturday said Jesus lost. I mean, after all, everybody turned against him. Even his own disciples bailed out on him and he was killed. He was executed. He lost, right? That's the news flash. That's the breaking news report <laughs> that you and I would basically get. That's what most people would have been saying on Twitter. That's what most of the talking heads would have been saying. But who actually won? We know the truth. Jesus, right? And so he says, look, I know. I know it may look grim, but I know that I will ultimately prevail. This is the man of faith. This is our savior, the son of God who shows us the way to move, the way to live, the way to go. So for instance, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us, and it does easily entangle us. And I know that we got a lot of weight. I gotta manage my kids, I gotta do this or that. I know there's a lot of weight, look. But let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, listen to this, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what the cross is all about. That's what we're talking about, following him. And then from that heavenward, heavenward standing, standing victorious, trust and testify in advance to God's vindication of you and your victory in Christ. It may look grim right now. It may not look great right now, but you know what? If you're a faithful parent, you know what? If you're a faithful spouse, you know what? If you're a faithful single person, God is with you, even when it seems like there's no fruit happening. God will bring fruit, and God will justify you in Jesus Christ. Stay with him, commune with him, stay faithful to him, and trust in his call in your life. But most of my friends don't do that anymore. I know. Stay faithful to him. Stay faithful. Look heavenward and know that you will stand at the judgment you will stand in Christ at the judgment. So the servant asked this. In, in, in Isaiah 40 through 45, it's God who's calling to court all his opposition. And even those people who are supposedly his people who are saying, where's God? Why is God letting all this stuff happen to me? Why did God let this happen to my mama? Why is God letting this happen to Israel? God calls them into court. Now it's the servant. In other words, ultimately Jesus who calls a court session. And he says this, he says, who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. You're gonna to debate with me? Who is my adversary? Now, now you see the way I have that in the notes that's paired directly with the passage that Paul gives us in Romans eight, which is for us on this side of the cross in the resurrection. Romans eight, 33 and 34. I'll come back to this, this is one of Peggy's passages for her service yesterday. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? You see how that echoes what the servant says? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's going to condemn? So today, I invite you to come to the table that he sets before you, before us, amid war, in the presence of your enemies. This is the way we share the table now. You know, we celebrated yesterday 
that, as I often say, she's now in the church triumphant, okay? She's part of the church triumphant with the Lord. But who are we down here on the ground? Are we the church triumphant? No, there's another term in church theology for where we live right now until he takes us home. You know what that's called? The church militant. What does that mean? That means we're in spiritual warfare. Until we go home with him, we are the church militant. Until he calls us home to the church triumphant. So come to the table that he sets before you amid war. This is the way we share the table now. Now we will celebrate uh, the, the glorious feast of the Lamb of God and his wedding with his bride. But that's not what we're celebrating today. We're just looking ahead to that. What we're celebrating right now is a Savior, a Lord, the Son of God who died, who shed his blood for our salvation, and we are coming to his table amid war. Amid war. Come to his table in the presence of your enemies. It's already prophesied in, in Psalm 23, right? This, this is the way it's going to be as Christians. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't want to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And he says, look, I'm with you. So we need not fear because, why? Because he's with us. Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me at the nicest French restaurant overlooking the sea. No, no, no. In the presence of of mine enemies. That's the table we share today. He already told you that a thousand years before he came through David. And as we come to this table, let us remember this. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we are part of the body. And if one part suffers, we're all supposed to be suffering with them. If I, got, if I have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of brothers and sisters in Ukraine who are literally subject to be slaughtered in the next 24 hours? Should I be grieving for them and praying for them? Absolutely. And then, by the way, in 1 Corinthians also, God's word through Paul says this in chapter 11. Anyone who takes the supper without discerning the body, and that does mean both vertical, the body, in other words, Jesus, but it also means horizontal the church, including my brothers and sisters who are in pain. Anyone who takes the supper without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So let us wake up and ask for that discernment as we come to the table today. Come to the table he sets before you amid war, including literal war right now. And then ultimately, let us share communion with him through war. Let us make it through war with him and be with him forever. And again, back to Peggy's key passage from the service yesterday and just for us today from Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if he, he's given us Jesus, he's going to give us everything. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's there to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. 
So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, just like they are in Ukraine right now. But know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure of this, I am convinced, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come to him. Put your faith in him. But if you're going to put your faith in him, if you're going to come to his table, know who he is and what it means to be part of his body. And let us be saved in him. If you don't know him, I invite you to call on his name now. The savior, the warrior who delivers us through war into grace now and forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.